Lord God, fear does not have its hold on us anymore because we know our identity in you. And we praise you, God, for the way in which you shine light into the darkness, that there is hate in this world, that there are those who would seek to bring fear into the hearts of those who are free from fear. And we pray, God, that you would bring through your word revival, life, resuscitating our, our, our otherwise dead lives so that they could be a reflection of your glory and your goodness and a proclamation of your conquering over death. And so for those who are in pain, Lord, those who are filled with fear, may we somehow find a way to bring joy into their life and hope into their life and to, to preach the truth about who you are. And God, we praise you for the way in which you've brought us through the oceans, uh, the barriers, the, the things that would otherwise keep us from living the life that you would seek for us. And we pray, God, that today those barriers would be conquered, they would be divided, they would be um, traversed, and that we would experience life as we've never experienced before. And we pray not just that for ourselves, but for those that are with us in this room and those that are with us in this community of humanity. And we praise you, God, and pray this in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Please have a seat. Good morning. It's good to see you. Welcome, welcome. Wow, this band is so amazing. This is an incredible Sunday. We're so thankful for you guys. Oh, my goodness. And thank you, guys. Today is an awesome Sunday. It's one of the weirdest weeks coming up, isn't it? It's a strange week. We have this thing that happens on Halloween when... Hundreds of people just, hundreds, hundreds, millions of people just, just get in costumes and run through the streets and do crazy things. Now, on that day, you could actually get in a gorilla costume, I'm just telling you, and you could run through the streets of Paso Robles with a bag of candy in your hand, and nobody would call the police. Not, not on that anyway, but that would be the normal thing that's going on. Um, I always get worried and nervous, not when someone comes to my door with a costume on Halloween. I get scared when they come to my door without a costume on Halloween. What are you doing here? Hey, what? Oh, okay, you want candy too? No, you can't have candy. You're not wearing a costume. Um, <laughs> so, so my kids love Halloween. They love to dress up on Halloween. And one of the weird things, I had a theater, teach me, a theater teacher teach me this years ago, and he said um, he, he was a playwright, great writer, um, didn't obviously teach me how to write, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but he did teach me this. He said that when people wear a mask, a lot of times you think that they're covering up who they really are, but actually they're expressing a part of their personality that they keep hidden. That a lot of people, they're really shy, but when they put a mask on, you, you would never believe the person that wears the Cookie Monster costume here. You would not believe it for the life of you. This is not a person who acts like an exuberant person in real life, but when they put on that Cookie Monster costume, oh my goodness. Oh, did I say it's a costume? It's not. It's a real character. There you go. Um, so Cookie Monster, whatever it is. So these are a couple of the things that my kids dress up as, and it expresses their inner self. So this is a couple of years ago. This is Luke. He dressed up as Clark Kent. He, he was just, you know, kind of like, you know, just a little, showing a little bit of his party, uh, showing a little bit of his uh, Superman, you know, he was starting to express his superhero self. The other one was uh, my daughter, Olivia. This is perfect representation of who she is. She is so, she's a little sneaky, you know, she's a little sneaky. And so she, she, the other picture I love of her is she's hiding behind the broom. That's exactly who Olivia is. And then Ella, of course, is, you know, ever just, um, just trying to do something with that hair. Um, uh, so beautiful. And then, of course, our dog Piper dressed up as Toto. And I think she did a pretty good job, don't you think? They're pretty, pretty close. 
Yeah, it's a weird thing, Halloween. You can do what you would normally never be able to do. And in a way, I think that's a great illustration for what I want to ask you today is what would it take for you to do something really crazy for Jesus? What, what would it take for you to do something that's so out of the box, so outside of the norm, so beyond your, 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 what you thought was ca- capable of, what you thought you were capable of? Now, when I'm talking about out of the box, I am talking about crazy things like getting up off of the couch, right? Now, now you think that I'm kidding, but actually getting up off of the couch can be some of the craziest things for people, especially if it's breaking those patterns that you have had in your life, not believing that, that you could possibly get up off the couch and then find yourself, even more radical, at the gym, right? And then going there three times a week. Or whatever else it is in your life, there are these patterns that are established in your life and the steps that it takes to get you from one place to another require your belief that God can do something with those steps. And a lot of times people, they call it future tripping in addictive, like in addiction recovery programs. People say, oh, I don't want to do that because you know what? I'm going to have to give up chocolate. Like there's a, there's a group called food addicts, right? Instead of AA. Alcoholics Anonymous, they have food addicts, F-A. And they say, I remember someone who went there said, I don't want to give up chocolate for the rest of my life. Uh, that t- sounds terrible. And they say, just give it up for one day. It's just one day. Don't worry about it. Just, just give it up today. Then tomorrow, just get, hey, you're tricking me. No. <laughs> so so this, is, this is what we're talking about. Living life with one step at a time of faith. And the story that we're looking at today is a cool story. It has the, the possibility of changing your life and opening up your mind to a whole new place of what God can do. It's a story of Jesus sending 10 men in a direction they never thought they would ever go. The, an illogical direction that doesn't make any sense at all. And these are 10 men that pretty much the rest of society had given up hope on, which is a lot of Jesus's story. When the rest of the world had given up hope on people, Jesus shows that God can take those people that there's no hope for from their neighbors or their surrounding, even in their own lives, they may have given up hope and he can change that reality for them. And it's a story in in the book of Luke, chapter 17, verse 11 through 19. Now this story happens right before Jesus is crucified. Like a week later, he's crucified. Between this story and his crucifixion, he will meet a first, a rich young ruler who will come up to him and say, what must I do in in order to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you got to sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and then you can follow me. Oh, wow. That man walks away from Jesus. But then he goes a little further. He encounters a blind man on the side of the road, and the blind man says, Jesus, give me sight so I can see. Everybody says, give up, get out of the way. You're, 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 You're messing up the parade. And Jesus then heals the blind man and the parade gets bigger. People are more excited. They say, wow, that's possible? Then Jesus walks a little further and he sees a guy named Zacchaeus up in the tree and, and he says, Zacchaeus, I want to have food at your house. People say, don't go eat at his house. He's a criminal. He's a crook. Everybody hates him. There's no hope for that guy. And Jesus goes and eats dinner at his house. In the middle of dinner, Zacchaeus gets up and says, I am sorry for everything that I've done. I'm going to return everything that I've stolen and I'm going to repay people half as, like 10 times as much. And then Jesus goes into Jerusalem itself, and during that last week of his life, he encounters uh, all of these people who believe that they're so wealthy, and they've done so much for God, and they're such good, powerful representations of who God is, but they are overlooking others as a result 
of their faithfulness, and they see this widow that goes in and drops two little coins into the temple. And Jesus turns that upside down too, and he says, you see that widow? She's given more than all of you combined. See, Jesus is, is taking the way that the people see the world, and he's changing it. And so the beginning of this story says that on, uh, in, in Luke chapter 17, verse 11, it says, on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the borders between Samaria and Galilee. Now, Samaria and Galilee, to travel, travel along the border is a big thing. We don't want to overlook this. Jesus was, was doing something very deliberate. He was making a point. If you had a politician today that decided that they would go do a tour along the border of Mexico and, and the United States, do you think they would be making a point? Yeah, yeah, they would be making a point for sure. Now, back then, Jesus was traveling between the border of Samaria and Galilee, the place where the Jews lived and the place where the Samaritans lived. The crazy thing is that they both believed in God, but they believed that God had two different holy mountains. They disputed which holy mountain that it was that God met Moses on. From that moment, they all started to fight each other and they started to argue about that, that theological discrepancy and they, for generations, then they started to shut each other out of business opportunities. They started to overlook each other. They started to shun each other. And before they knew it, there was a chasm. That border was not just a line that was drawn in the sand or, or an imaginary space, but it was actually a chasm between two communities. And what had started to exist was not just, not just some kind of, uh, you know, uh, protective mentality, but hate. They'd begun to hate each other. And they'd begun to treat each other as less than human. And the pain was there. And the anger was there. And the hurt was there. And so Jesus is traveling between these two places on the border country between Galilee and Samaria. And says these words, as he entered a village, 10 men with skin diseases approached him. Keeping their distance from him, they raised their voices and said, Jesus, master, show us mercy. And then the scripture says, when Jesus saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. As they left, they were cleansed. Now, this is one of the more fascinating moments in Jesus's life. It's not happenstance that he's traveling on this border country between Samaria and Galilee. He wants to accentuate and help people realize that there is a divide between human beings that shouldn't be there. And there is also more going on. When people lived with a skin disease, now the Bible says leprosy throughout the Bible, but most of the time leprosy is used as a means of just saying skin disease. Okay, so we kind of think, oh, leprosy, leprosy, leprosy. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't that leprosy was the only thing people were suffering from. Some people would have had shingles, for example. They would have had uh, even athlete's foot or even some kind, of, some kind of disease that they didn't understand the cure for. And so as a result of getting a skin disease, these people would be cast out of the community until their disease would be healed. And so some of these people would have had skin diseases that would have been terrible because they didn't know how to care for them or treat them. And can you imagine if any time that you had a skin disease, or, or maybe some of you who have had skin disease for many years, that, that they would have made sure that you'd never see your family, never see your kids, never see anything that, of, that was familiar to you, be outside of the city. And anytime you walked near someone, you needed to yell out the words, unclean, unclean. And so if you see movies about this, you'll see the people who have skin diseases uh, rep represented by having rags and, and just, just terrible situation in their life. 
And so these are the people that, that Jesus is approached by, or actually not approached by. They do the thing that they're supposed to do. They shout from a distance. And he says to them, go to the priests. Now that's weird. Because the priests back then were like the health department. Their job was to determine whether someone was clean or unclean. Now these guys all had skin diseases. They knew that they were sick. But Jesus says, why don't you go to the health department again in your life and get another bill of sickness? Another determination that you can't see your family, you can't be with your, with your loved ones ever again. And what's strange about this is that the Bible tells us that they went. They went anyway. From a distance, Jesus says, go to the priests. And despite the fact that what he was asking them to do was illogical, there was no point to it. It wasn't helpful. The Bible says they went. It doesn't say that they were healed and then they went. It says that as they went, they were healed. As they walked toward the priests, they were transformed in that process. It's not that they had the power of healing and transformation in their life and then went on the journey. As they went, they were given power. Another way to say this is they were given power along the way. Can you say that with me? Power along the way. A lot of times in our life, I think that we actually believe that if God is going to call us out in a journey, God is going to show us how all of the steps of those journey are going to be fulfilled and that it will be easy for us to determine whether or not we should go on that journey based on whether all of the equations work out and we can determine whether the journey will be successful or not. But actually, that's not what the scripture says. It says that we are called out into places of the unknown, that we're called into places that where we can't imagine that we could be sustained. We can't even imagine that we could accomplish what we're called out to do. I remember when I, was, I felt I was being called to, to go to seminary. And I had a lot of people in my life saying, go to seminary. And I said, well, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't see myself as a pastor. I don't really see that in my life. But I know that God's calling me forward in this, in this experience, in this experiment. And so what I decided to do is I told people, I said, I'm going to go to seminary, but I'm going to take one class, just one. And if I don't like it, I'm going to be true to myself and I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to say, you know what? This is not the right decision. It was not clear. I wasn't, I wasn't really hearing Jesus' voice. It was, just, it was just my older brother telling me what I should do. <laughs> or whoever else it was. It was other people. And, and instead, what I discovered is, oh yeah, this is a good thing. This is a good place for me. And I, follow, I, I stepped out in another step of faith. And as I stepped out, I found that God gave me the capacity to meet the demands that were in front of me. Another way to say this is that God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. Have you heard that? He doesn't call you because you have everything it takes to do the journey in front of you. He calls you because you are finally aware that you have nothing and you don't know, you know that you don't have what it takes. That's when you're ready. You're ready the day when you realize that, okay, I need a miracle to take place in order for me to accomplish what God's calling me to in my life. And then what does God do? He gives you power along the way. What an awesome story. But it's not all. Because if, if, we would, if we would settle in that space, then we would end up with a shallow gospel. Because in a way, we all walk around with masks on, don't we? Jesus says that anybody who walks around 
saying that they have it all together is called a hypocrite, which is another word for a, a play actor or someone who in the theater would wear a mask. Jesus says that the people who are really wearing the masks are the people who walk around and say, this is really me. Don't I look like I have it all together? No, this is real. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, but you know what I'm saying? And, and then we, we even say that that's really us and it's not really us. Because we're not really sharing who we are and our brokenness and, and the truth of our life. And so that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, don't, don't be that kind of person that is, he's saying, be careful because you might be claiming that you have it all together. And that's exactly the point. The people who really had it more together than anybody else were the lepers yelling out, Jesus, have mercy on me. They knew what they needed. They needed a healing. And then they got healed. Did they? Well, this is what the scripture says. It says, one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, returned and praised God with a loud voice. The same voice he was yelling out, unclean, unclean, unclean for years. Now he's yelling out, praise God. Oh my goodness. Look what just happened. I'm completely healed. And I was healed along the way through the steps of faith that I had. And it says these words, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Now, wait a second. First thing, when it says that he fell on his face, it doesn't mean that, you know, he kind of fell on his face. No, he was on his face in praise of God. He was pressing his face down into the dirt. Uh, if, If you hear these words saying, hey, why don't you try to do something really crazy for God? Why don't you find yourself in a time of prayer this week and acknowledge how good God is in the way that this Samaritan man did by lowering yourself as low as possible to the ground and pressing your face to the ground in acknowledgement of how sovereign God is and how good God is and how perfect God is and how thankful for you are. Now you could do this alone in your bedroom, close the door and find yourself in that space. What a tremendous moment of transformation that might be for you or for me if we found ourselves not even doing that with our bodies, but also with our hearts and our souls and looking at a sunset and saying, God, that's where, that's where that came from. Look at that goodness. Look at how there's transformation. I gave up hope and look at this. This is from God. This is from God. I love that this guy is doing the thing that's absolutely crazy. And wait a second. It says that he's a Samaritan. He's a Samaritan. This is the person that should have been ostracized that Jesus would never ever find closeness with. There's no hope for him to reach these people. There's no hope for for the Samaritans and the Jews to experience oneness, for there to be a wholeness about the community as God intended it. Instead, there's going to be this permanent brokenness and suddenly there's transformation. Total, utter transformation. You're starting to see that the communities that both thought that they were so healthy to begin with are starting to realize that there's a real vision of health in front of them. And it's the one that's embodied by someone that they had cast out from their community and said, that's a leper. We're going to have nothing to do with that person because there's no hope for that person. And then what does Jesus do? Jesus gives him a mask of health to then draw him in to the real deeper healing to draw him into the deeper, deeper healing. It says these words, 
Jesus replied, weren't 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? No one returns to praise God except this foreigner. He wants you to know, he emphasizes, they all knew he was a Samaritan, but Jesus wants to reiterate, by the way, this is the guy that you, the whole community, that you'd given up hope on ever having any kind of connection and oneness with, and look what's happened. And then it says, no one returned, Jesus said, no one returned to praise God except this foreigner. Then Jesus said to him, get up and go. Your faith has healed you. Get up and go. I like Jesus. He, said, he tells this guy to get up and go twice, doesn't he? He says, get up and go to the priests. Go to the priests and you will be healed. He's healed along the way. He comes back to Jesus and Jesus says, get up and go. Again, your faith has healed you. But the reason that Jesus heals all of us is so that he can bring us closer. The reason that Jesus sends you away is so that he can bring you near. Isn't that an incredible thought? That Jesus sends you on these journeys. Yes, they, they are pivotal. They're important journeys. They are journeys toward health, physical healing, transformative healing from addiction, transformative healing for your families, forgiveness, all those things. But the real thing that Jesus wants you to experience is that opportunity to turn to him and praise him and acknowledge him and to be one with him and to be closer than you've ever been before. Isn't that cool? So actually, in a way, I feel bad for the other nine lepers, the other nine men who had skin disease because I feel like they are walking around going to their families as they should have and going to their kids as they should have because they probably wouldn't have seen them or held them in years. Thinking, ah, I have total completion of my health and I have total fulfillment in my life. When they were not experiencing what Jesus was providing and offering them a bridging of that gap or that chasm that would have existed between them and their relationship with Jesus, them in oneness with, with one another that would have been extended by their own hands. There's a deeper connection that Jesus is calling us all into. The Samaritans saw the deeper truth. He saw that Jesus was not someone from another culture, not someone that he could not connect with, but actually that Jesus was God himself. The natural distinctions of race and class were erased. The barriers of sickness and disease were eliminated. So I have to ask you, are you ready to step out in faith? Because it's probably going to require you to do absolutely bonkers things. Things that, things that are beyond your own imagination. Things that you don't think that you are even capable of doing. And actually, you're not. But what God is calling you to do is to step out in faith and trust that God will give you power along the way. Because that's how life is. People who refuse to believe that healing is not possible never step out on the journey. Think about it. They never go. They never take those big steps of faith. There's two questions I want to leave you with today. They're simple questions. They're going to be hard to answer. The first one is, what is your leprosy? Is it time for you to be really honest about your leprosy? About that thing? And now when I say leprosy, what is that thing that has kept you from, from being a part of community? That has ostracized you and in a way has been that thing that has made you an outsider? One of the interesting things about the scripture is that it helps us realize that we're all the lepers. 
Instead of seeing lepers or people on the outside as another person, oh, well, you know, I'm not like you. Instead, we start to see those who are ostracized, those who are, who are uh, experiencing prejudice in this world, those who are cast out. We identify ourselves in them. And we realize that they are us and we are them. And so in a way, I want to ask you, what is that thing that's kept you away from relationships? Here's a, here's a possible way you could do it. If you can't identify it, meet with us afterward. We'd love to talk you with it, talk about you, talk about you, whatever. We'd just like to meet with you. We'd like to have an articulate sentence with you <laughs> and help you. So here's some leprosies, leprosy of, of addiction, right? The leprosy of judgment of other people. Uh, the leprosy of an abusive relationship, the leprosy of, uh, of fear crowding into your life. The leprosy of not just judgment of other people, but judgment of yourself, constantly beating yourself up. The leprosy of mental illness. There are so many leprosies that we bear and, and we walk with in our lives that Jesus does want us to experience health and freedom from. And Jesus does have the power to bring about relational wholeness in our life. One way to do it is to take the five relationships that you have distance from in your life and see if there's a pattern. Is there something that consistently bears itself out? Maybe it's a leprosy of lack of forgiveness because there's no greater miracle than the miracle Jesus gives us to be able to forgive one another. But here's the, here's the second question. The second question is... Um, what is that thing that's been keeping you from giving all praise and glory and goodness to God? You see, Jesus has been walking alongside you ever since. He's been giving you power along the way ever since you were a little baby. Every little step that you took, God was along there giving you power to accomplish those things that you never thought were possible. And so the reality is that God wants to be in a relationship with you where you start to acknowledge God's presence in your life where you start to find yourself in that proper relationship with God and with Jesus where you're not cowering out of fear. You're not pressing your face to the ground because you're afraid of what God is going to do to you, but out of joy, out of thankfulness, out of adoration, out of hope for the world and acknowledgement of what Jesus can do, not just in your life, but in the lives of other people. So those are two questions that I think are really good questions for us to ask this week. And this is the, my little word of encouragement. You've noticed that at Highlands, we say where the journey begins, right? You probably just thought that was something we just put on all the pens around here, and that's just about it, right? Just a cute little saying. But I think it really means something, that right now is where the journey begins. That the great miracle could be not just getting up off of your couch, but getting, getting out of your seat today and doing something remarkable. Now, I'd like to say you've got this, but you don't. God's got this. The acknowledgement that you don't have it is everything you need in order to take the step of faith in the right direction. Because the, the reality that you don't have it means that you need God and that you are going to, with that knowledge, step out knowing that God is doing everything. And I just want to emphasize that Jesus' dream, Jesus' work in your life is so that you can draw closer to him as you are being sent away. That in the process of your healing, Jesus wants to draw you into, into a closeness and into a oneness with him. 
And then when you find that closeness and when you find that joy at the feet of Jesus, guess what Jesus is going to say again? Go! <laughs> you got more work to do. There's more people that need to hear this story. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much that you help us to see the truth of who you are. And when we discover who, discover who you are, Jesus, you tear away the masks that we've walked around with our whole life, the mask that we have it all together. We pray, God, that we would be the people that would not see distance between ourselves and others that is in, unconquerable, but that through your work, your voice, being obedient to your voice in our life, that we would see the hate dissipate and we would see love pervade and, and conquer all. And so, God, we pray in this moment for anyone in this space who would, who would feel as though there's a distance between them and you. May their eyes be opened to the way in which you have been giving them power along the way their entire life. There's anyone in here who is experiencing sickness and pain and feeling as though they have been rejected in countless ways. May they know, first of all, that they're not alone. That we all have experienced that. And you, Lord Jesus, have experienced it more than anyone. And Lord Jesus, we just do pray for healing. We pray for that physical healing. We pray for that, all the healings that could be taking place as a result of your power. We recognize that the true healing is when we find ourselves at your feet in thankfulness, recognizing that you are the source of love. You are the source of joy and goodness and hope for this world. And so God, may we be your ambassadors sent out with this good news on our lips because you have transformed us into believers. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, amen. Please.